Hello and welcome to Punch a Hole in the Wind, a look at some of the great thoroughbred racehorses who have graced our racetracks all around the world over the last century or so. I'm Ollie Hine and it's great of you to join me on this exciting trip down memory lane. My aim is to both remind you of some of your heroes from years gone by, but also to introduce you to some others whom you may not be so familiar with. This time we're going to Australia and to the 1950s, where a very small horse managed to do two amazing things. First, set the tracks alight with many devastating performances, but also to make a miraculous recovery from a hideous but unknown illness. That horse was Tullock. This podcast deliberately shies away from asking that unanswerable question, who was the greatest? If, however, the question was, who was the most courageous, you'd be hard-pressed to find any horse braver than Tullock. And it isn't just because of his size. He was as small as any of the greats. It's because he proved himself a world-class champion, then spent nearly two years at death's door, before coming back and, unbelievably, doing it again. As with previous Australian immortals, Carbine and Farlap, Tullock was in fact foaled in New Zealand, in his case at Trelawney, the oldest stud in the country. He possessed a pedigree on his sire Corison's side that promised much. Bought as a yearling by trainer Tommy Smith for 750 guineas, he was quickly sold on to Evelyn Haley, who liked his new purchase's intelligence and poise, despite also commenting, he's small, but if he's no good, we can use him to round sheep. Fortunately for world racing, that didn't come to pass, and Tullock would go on to win 50 times his purchase price on the track. Haley named him both after his mother's birth town in Scotland, and by extension, his grandfather's cattle stud just outside Melbourne. The tiny pony only grew to 15.2 hands, and had quite a hollow back, or, in the delicious Aussie slang of the day, a swampy back but it didn't impede him. Running 13 times as a two-year-old, he won seven and came second in the other six, and Smith thought the world of him, testing him in the very best company across New South Wales, Victoria and Queensland. At three, he blossomed further. He immediately took on the older horses in the Warwick Stakes, easily defeating Melbourne Cup winner McDougall and previous AJC Derby winners Monte Carlo and Carana. When it was his turn to run the AJC Derby, he coasted home by six lengths, beating the mighty Farlap's 28-year-old track record by over two seconds. To show it was no fluke, he went to Melbourne, collected the Caulfield guineas, and then took on the older horses in the Caulfield Cup. Drawn on the extreme outside, a confident Smith told the press beforehand, he has to start from somewhere, and he'll win it just the same. Punters were also in no doubt, making him the shortest-priced favourite in Caulfield Cup history. With a field of 17, and Caulfield's bendy track to navigate, there was a moment of alarm when Tullock found himself boxed in with only the short straight to negotiate. On board, a cool Neville Selwood pulled him wide and let the colt take over with a predictably galvanic response. Tullock was in the lead in the blink of an eye, finishing an easy two lengths clear of Max Amber. 
The winning time of 2 minutes 26.9 seconds was a turf world record, which wouldn't be beaten locally until the turn of the century, and the second fastest ever for 12 furlongs. In an echo of Native Dancer in the US a few short years before, Tullock's rise coincided with the birth of racing being broadcast to a wider audience, in this case to a few lucky households in Sydney and Melbourne. As was so often the way, as soon as Australia had a new superstar on its hands, the US racing scene would look across the Pacific with envious eyes and bulging checkbooks, keen to see if they could make an offer that Haley couldn't refuse. The Australian press was certainly hailing him categorically as the best in the world, and in 1957, he very likely was. More immediately came Australia's most cherished race. Surely the Melbourne Cup would be a formality. But no. Haley shocked the racing public by scratching him from the Blue Ribboned event. On the eve of the race, he told the press, I love horses too much to run a three-year-old, any three-year-old not only Tullock, in the Melbourne Cup. I will not risk breaking the colt's heart. There was much anger, likely from those who had placed anti-post bets. And it does beg the question as to why Tullock was entered in the big race in the first place. Conversely, in retrospect, it is refreshing to see horse welfare taken so seriously by some at a time when there was plenty of evidence that not everyone did. Regardless, Tullock next trotted up in the VRC derby, beating Prince Darius, who had come in next second in the Melbourne Cup, by eight lengths, before running away with the Queensland derby, becoming the first horse to win the Australian derby slam. It would therefore have been a seismic shock if Tullock had run in the Melbourne Cup and not won. His winning distances in some of his subsequent races were so far that they bordered on the comic. Notwithstanding this story of what if, he still finished the season with 14 wins, a second and a third, from 16 races, with crowds of 40,000 or more regularly turning up to see Haley's Comet run. At the time, the group race system had not yet been introduced in Australia, but 10 of those races he won that year are now well-established group ones. Connections excitedly planned an international four-year-old career like no other for their flying little colt to take in big races in the US and UK. But that is not how it panned out. In April 1958, Tullock fell desperately ill to a mysterious stomach illness. Absolutely no one knew what it actually was. And they still don't. He kept catching infections he could barely eat, and lost a huge amount of weight. It went on, horrifically, for nearly two years. As Smith recalled later, he spent 22 months lying against a wall. I thought he'd die for sure. It is almost inconceivable to imagine the physical and mental agony that Tullock must have gone through for that interminable period and the will to live he displayed was beyond measure. Not knowing what was causing it all drove his connections to despair, and they couldn't bear seeing him in such pain for so long. But then, the miracle occurred. A young English vet called Percy Sykes suggested that there might be germs in Tullock's mouth that needed killing. So his oats were mixed with port, 
and brandy to make a distinctly heady porridge. We might scratch our heads at the mere suggestion now. But, astonishingly, it worked. Even Sykes himself wasn't expecting great things. It seemed to be absolutely miraculous, he said. I've tried it on other horses since, and it hasn't worked. Yet within a matter of 72 hours, Tullock was absolutely normal. Tullock, like an Antipodean equine Lazarus, recovered, having spent two of his prime years half dead. No one was sure how he would race again. But a return at the ten furlong Queen's Plate at Flemington, in front of a colossal 90,000-strong crowd, proved a victorious and highly emotional one. Tullock's absurdly brave homestretch run took him just past the highly rated Lord, and grown men in the crowd made no apologies for crying. Smith had been vindicated for not retiring the glorious cult despite all the naysayers. Indeed, at age five and six, he won nine of his next eleven races, including the Cox Plate and the Craven Plate, the former in a sensational time. The only blemish came in the Melbourne Cup, celebrating its centenary that year, where regular rider Neville Selwood gave him an utterly baffling ride. At one stage being held up a long way detached from the field, some claiming as much as 60 lengths behind the leader, although film evidence suggests that to be a slight exaggeration. He made huge progress in the home straight, but could only finish seventh under top weight. Incredibly, it was his only time outside the top three in any of his 53 starts. Nevertheless, more top-level victories came his way throughout Victoria, New South Wales and Queensland, with the popular little horse never again finishing worse than third, and often handicapped to the hilt. He bowed out, a hero for the ages, with a victory at the 1961 Brisbane Cup, under a huge weight by just under two lengths. A reflective Smith shared his thoughts. The secret of his greatness, he said, is that he is a stayer who can go like a sprinter in the big races. Tullock's stud career at Haley's Tikuna Farm was, by comparison, a major letdown, siring only a handful of stakes winners before he passed away in 1969. But no one judged him on that. They judged him instead on his consistently brilliant performances and on the outcome of those two years of anguish during which he battled with a transcendental courage seldom seen before or since. To find out more about Tullock and other greats from the past, check out my book, Punch a Hole in the Wind, out now and available online and in bookshops. Next time, we'll go to a different part of the world and explore the exploits of another great horse from another era who could punch a hole in the wind. But until then, this is Ollie Hine signing off and saying thank you for listening. <laughs>